The following podcast is brought to you by Pathways Church. Thanks for joining us for this message from our weekend service. We exist to lead people into a growing relationship with Christ. If you have any questions or even a story to share about how God is moving in your life, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at info at pathwayschurch.us. Thanks for listening, and we pray that God's Word will enrich your journey today. So I was at the uh, grocery store on Wednesday morning. I had actually forgotten to uh, get bread. We didn't have enough bread in the house, and I wanted to make Ella some, some sandwiches for uh, school and track afterwards. And so I was there Wednesday morning, and a mom, uh, she left the checkout line without paying. And the clerk, the cashier said, uh, are you going to pay? Totally shamed her, right? And this mom she walked back up and she said, I'm so sorry, she's embarrassed now. She's like, I am so sorry, I've never done that before. And then her teenage daughter, to make matters worse, she like pops off to her mom and says, uh, yeah, like mom, like how could you forget to pay? You know, in that like snotty teenage voice, you know what I mean? Well, I'm like behind her and I say, ma'am, it's okay, I- I've done that before and I, I only have two kids. And uh, The mom said, she turned to her daughter and said, I'm just so overwhelmed. Don't you understand? Like, I have a birthday party to plan for. I'm working. All you kids, it's just a lot. Can you give me a break? Moms, can you identify? You just give me a a break? Yeah. And and you know what? Here's the crazy part. It's, It's those small insecurities and incidences like at Meijer. It's those moments where we feel like we're not or you're not a real mom, isn't it? It's those small things because what the enemy wants to do, the enemy wants you to forfeit your calling and your role and your miracle of being a mother. Now, this word isn't just for moms. This is for all of us because all of us, we, we overlook our miracle because of what it's hidden underneath and, and what's hidden beneath us as men or as, as moms or as teachers or as business owners. By the way, if you're a public educator, any educator, thank you. Last week was, was teacher appreciation. Thank you for what you do. But we overlook our miracle in any area of life because of how small we feel. And why we feel so small is because we're insecure about what we are not. And then we find ourselves, I don't know if you've ever found yourself in this, we get into a, a deficit mentality. Do you know what a deficit mentality is? A deficit mentality is like this, where you, you start to ask yourself questions like, you know what? what, what do I have to be really thankful for? And you say to yourself kind of, I don't know, nothing really, really nothing? Or you say, what am I really great at? Well, nothing, really, really nothing? You know, if I, I went around to a group of people and we sat down at a table and I posed the question to you, I said, hey, what are you really great at? I wonder how long it would take for us to answer that question. My, my guess is it would take a long time. Now, is that because we're so humble or is that because the enemy has so messed with us that our deficiencies overshadow our gifts and our calling? Have we forgotten the role and the uniqueness and, 
and the anointing. Anointing is just this divine chosenness, this favor in our lives. Have we forgotten who we really are as individuals, as a collective whole, because we have so bought into the lie of the enemy? Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes here's what I think. I start thinking about, well, you know what? I remember how much time I had before. Or I can't wait because in the next season, I'm going to have so much time when. Meanwhile, the question is not, man, what am I going to have? Or what gift can I give later? But what do I have right now? Because what God is going to use is what you have right now. You have everything that you need for God's love and favor to flow through your life, amen? What you have right now is what you need. The strengths that you have is what God needs. The experiences that you've had, those are the experiences that God's that God needs. Everything that you, everything that you have, your, your gifts, your, your, your passions, your desires, if you pour those out, it will flow. As you give, it will be given to you. As you encourage, some of you used to encourage people and then you got discouraged and you're done encouraging. And I'm here today to tell you to keep on giving, keep on pouring. We need you. People need you. Moms, your kids need you. Listen, we need one another to pour out our gift. Now, some of us, we think to ourselves, well, I'll pour when I get more. I'll pour when I get more. But in God's economy, we get more when we pour. It's the way it works. Like, I don't know about you, but, but I, I, I've tried that deal when I've got discouraged when I wanted somebody to encourage me, like I've done the deal where I've kind of thrown a pity party for me. And you know what? I've done that first approach and it doesn't work. And then I've tried the thing where, where when I wanted somebody to encourage me, when I wanted to lift somebody's spirit, when I just did that, because isn't it just like God to ask you to give something that, that sometimes you feel like you don't have? And yet when you give it, it's like God pours back into you because bitterness will keep you from giving what you have while you wait for what you want. But the problem is that you stay stuck. The problem is you stay discouraged. The problem is you stay in a funk. But if you can get past yourself and you can say, God, I don't have it, and yet I know you do, and I'm gonna pour it because, Lord, as I pour it, you're gonna give me more. Now, I know some of you, I know there's about 16 of you that just clapped right there. For the rest of you who haven't had a problem in four years, I'm just telling you, if you hit a hurdle this spring, <laughs> you might wanna remember this word because I don't want you to stop giving your, your gift. And, and here's the thing, the, the enemy is so crafty, the devil is so crafty, he'll, he'll get you to ask yourself, well, they don't appreciate it. Moms, have you ever thought that? They don't appreciate it. These kids don't appreciate the meals I make. These kids, they don't care. They don't care that I go and work. They don't appreciate it. Now listen, that's a lie from the enemy. Because if you take on that mentality and that mindset, you're gonna stop giving and then they won't appreciate it and then it gets into a vicious cycle, doesn't it? 
And that, that's not what the Lord wants. And listen, lean in. Look right up here, friends. Listen, sometimes it's not about your family and your kids and your teammates and your coworkers and all those people that you work. Listen, you're pouring in them, but you're not ultimately pouring for them. You're pouring for the Lord. That's why, that's why when people disappoint you, you don't have your identity wrapped up in how they respond to what you were obedient unto God for. Does that make sense? Am I helping anybody? Okay. So I was thinking about this whole idea as we got into Acts chapter 11 today, and I thought, you know, if there's, I was asking the Lord, if there's anything that we need, any kinds of relationships that we need more than ever in this season of life, I believe what we need are people who encourage us. We need encouragers. Everybody say encourager. An encourager is somebody, now an encourager is not somebody who is an embalmer. They don't embalm you with flattery. Those people embalm you with flattery only to get close to you so that they can destroy you from within. I'm not talking about those kinds of people. I'm talking about people, if you know a good encourage, you keep them close in life. Why? Because they lift your spirit. The definition of encouragement is to give support, confidence, and hope. And we need those kinds of people in our lives. We need people who give us support and confidence and hope. They see things in us that we don't see in ourselves. Amen? We need this kind of encouragement. That's why the Bible says, encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you fall into sin's deceitfulness. That's a powerful scripture because not only do encouragers give support and hope and confidence, they keep you from sin. They help you to say, whoa, 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 let me reroute you in this moment because I see an attitude. I see something in your life and I'm not sure it's God glorifying. Let me encourage you in this. That's why Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, to encourage one another and build each other up. How many of you know it, it doesn't take a lot of ingenuity? It doesn't take a lot of smarts to tear somebody down, does it? It takes zero faith to tear somebody down. But to build somebody up, to lift them up, whoa, that's a, that's, a, that's a game changer. And so as we're pouring out our gift of encouragement, as we're giving it away, as we're giving it back, I thought to myself, well, who would be like the prime example of encouragement? And and it was so perfect because the Lord just kind of set this up. I couldn't even plan this so well. But as we come to Acts chapter 11, we meet a man named Barnabas. Barnabas. Now, here's what's crazy about Barnabas. I don't know if you know this. Does anybody know Barnabas' real name? Anybody? His real name, some of you are like, isn't that his real name? Like, what? Is this a trick question? No. His real name is Joseph. He's a Levite from Cyprus. And actually, he's given the name Barnabas by the apostles. Why? Because they dub him the son of encouragement. Woo! I mean, I wish I could pull out my iPhone and scroll down and find me a Barnabas in my contact. Barney! Where's Barney? 
That kind of man, woo! Talk about, man, I need a, somebody say, I need a Barnabas. I need somebody that they name that they're so good at their gift and they pour it out so much that that's what they're known by. They don't even know him by, we don't even know, none of you even knew his name was Joseph. You only knew him as Barnabas. So who's Barnabas? Well, first, Barnabas is a man that is full of the Holy Spirit. That's what scripture says. He's also a generous man. When the church was blasting off in Acts chapter four, uh, Barnabas saw God's hand on the church and here's what he did. He sold a field, a piece of property, and he took the proceeds and he laid it at the apostles' feet. And he said, you know what? I believe what God is doing is a new thing and I wanna be a part of it. My name's Barnabas, so let me encourage you. And they were like, awesome. And then when we come to Acts chapter 11, uh, what had happened is that the church is now scattered. A great persecution hit the church in Acts chapter eight. You can read it for yourself. And it's fanned out into Judea and Samaria. It's now reached a town called Antioch, about 300 miles north of Jerusalem in modern day Syria. And as the church, as the people, those 10,000 people who were scattered from Jerusalem in the church, they were taking the gospel everywhere. How many of you know that the gospel is not just meant for Sundays, it's meant through Monday through Saturday, and it's meant in all places at all times for all people, right? Any kind of Christian that only reserves their Christian connection with Christ for a Sunday is a Christian that's missing out on the adventure and the faith and the power and the wonder of God Monday through Saturday. So they took the gospel out to Antioch, and when they went to Antioch, reports got back to Jerusalem that the church was blowing up. I mean, it was just like people were just getting saved and baptized. And so here's what the apostles did. Guess who the apostles chose to go to Antioch? Barney. They said, Barney, go, go ahead. Get you a one-way ticket. You're going up to Antioch. So Barnabas goes up to Antioch, and here's what Scripture says. He goes up to Antioch, and what does he do? He encourages people. And he says, you know what? I want you to remain true to the calling that you have in Christ. He, he just encouraged the masses there in Antioch. And then he did something that was so profound. Let me show you, because I think we can learn from this together. Acts chapter 11, beginning in verse 25. Here's what scripture says. Then Barnabas, he leaves Antioch and he went to Tarsus to look for, say that name. And who was Saul? He now has become Yep, so if you're new, Saul is Paul. So if I say Paul, you say Saul. If I say Saul, you say Paul. I mean, say it in your head, okay? Saul. Okay, in your head. Um, Okay, good, all right, good. So we're all on the same page, all right? So he goes there, he finds Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, The son of encouragement, Barnabas, and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. And then in Antioch, the disciples were called Christians for the very first time. So from the church starting in Acts chapter 2, not until Acts chapter 11 do they even identify these group of people as Christians. Just a little sidebar historical note. So what does Barnabas do? He takes and he invests an entire year of pouring into, he pours out his gift into Paul. 
He shows them the ropes. He's teaching in the, in the synagogue. It's Barnabas and Saul. It's Barnabas and Saul. But this isn't the first time that Barnabas has done this with Saul. You'd have to go back to Acts chapter nine. You remember when God rerouted Saul? He was on the road to Damascus, right? He was a Christian killer, right? And so God knocked him off of his donkey and revealed himself. He said, here's the light, here's a voice. Here, I have a purpose for you. I know you're passionate about this. He rerouted his entire life. Well, this is the first time that Barnabas encouraged Paul. And this was far more risky and way less predictable. Here's what it says in Acts chapter 9. When Saul came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. They thought he was like on a covert like mission to destroy, and so he wanted to infiltrate their ranks. But Barnabas, Barnabas did three things. Barnabas took him, and he brought him to the apostles. And then he told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fierce, uh, fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Here's how an encourager will reroute under other individuals in their life. They'll do it three ways. They're gonna take someone and they're gonna bring somebody and then they're gonna tell someone. They're gonna take someone. Everybody say, take someone. And then they're gonna bring someone. And then they're gonna tell someone. This is what Barnabas did. First, he, he took him. He, he, took, he took him. He took Paul to the apostles. While Paul was in Jerusalem, he took him to the apostles. That means he had to find Saul. He had to find Paul in Jerusalem. Here's what's interesting to me. You know, encouragers are never afraid to go back to the place of pain and the crime scene where you were in your sin. Encouragers are willing to go back with you in order that you can go forward in faith. Barnabas was not trying to erase or repress or, 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 or kind of uh, delete that whole bank of memories that Saul had as Stephen was getting killed and martyred and stoned and they took the coats and laid them at Saul's feet. I wonder if Barnabas was willing to go back to that spot and put his arm around Saul and say, you know what, Saul, where sin abounds, grace abounded more. I wonder, if, I wonder if Barnabas was saying, I know what you did, but your pain and your sin is gonna only serve as a platform for his glory. That's what encouragers do. A great encourager is not afraid of your past. A great encourager will come back to your past so they can speak into your future. I have this quote in my office. It's a, a little quote that I wrote down on a, a little note and tore it out. On my journal, I hung it on my wall. It's by Bob Goff. He says this, uh, believe, believe, believe in people in who they are becoming. And who they're becoming. I see all these heads nodding because I think that in your life, you've seen a lot of people who believe who you once were. 
But we have a God and we have a Savior who believes in who we're becoming and he can redeem the past and use it for his glory. And that's what great encouragers do. So not only did he take him, but, but he brought him to the apostles. Now, I, I love this. Now, this is where my imagination, this is not in scripture, okay? This is where my imagination starts running wild because when I read the Bible, I have to read it like, like it's real life. Do you know what I mean? So um, I can see, <laughs> I can see uh, Barnabas showing up to uh, the apostles in Acts chapter nine with Paul and him saying, hey guys, you know him? And they're like, uh, yeah. It's like, that's, that's the terrorist. That's the killer. No, 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 guys. Listen, listen, I'm Barnabas. I'm the encourager. And this is Paul. And he loves Jesus. Like, Barnabas, what are you smoking, bro? <laughs> what, what, what are we talking about right here? What happened? No, 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 I'm telling you. Trust me. And then in my mind, this is what happens, okay? Now, this is not in the Bible, but in my mind, I can see Peter in the background, and Peter's getting lit. He's like, he thinks it's like UFC. He's cracking his neck. He's like, hey. And, and, and you know, Thomas is back there too. He's doubting. He's like, man, I don't know about this guy. This guy, I'm not sure. What do you think, Matthew? I'm like, hey. Uh. And Matthew's like, now just hold on, because Matthew was a tax collector. So Matthew's just like, wait a second. This is Barnabas. He's one of us. He's the son of encouragement. And Barnabas is like, that's right, Matt. Hang on a second. You remember? I believe in this thing called the church. That's why I sold that field and I gave you that money. But I'm here to tell you, listen, there's this guy named Paul. And you know that one field I gave you? He's about to go to a hundred fields and take the gospel to the Gentiles who have not heard the name of Jesus. Because behind every Paul, there's a Barnabas. Behind every barrier buster, every person who does something for the glory of God, there's always somebody behind them saying, you can do it. I believe in you. You got this. The spirit of the Lord is upon you. He's anointed you to preach good news. You go. I'm there. I don't care what they say. I don't care what you did. I'm here for you. I got your back. That's the spirit of encouragement. Sometimes you gotta vouch for people. And you're like, oh, Adam, Adam, that's messy. I know. If I vouch for them and they do me wrong, then my reputation suffers. I get it. I've been there, I've been hurt too. But are you gonna stop pouring your gift? Are you gonna stop pouring your gift because somebody hurt you? Come on now, you're better than that. We don't do what's easy at Pathways. We do what's right. We do what God's word calls us to do. Encourage one another daily. All right, so then he tells them, he told him, he told the apostles, listen, I, I have, listen, Peter, I have, I imagine he said this, I, I would, I'm gonna ask Luke, the author of the book of Acts in heaven. I wonder if he said to Peter, hey, Peter, do you remember when you betrayed Jesus three times? He still used you, didn't he? Mm. Mm. Didn't you preach on the day of Pentecost and the church was started? But yet you were a betrayer. And now you're gonna do Paul wrong like this? I'm telling you, I saw him fearlessly proclaim the gospel with the same passion and urgency that you did on the day of Pentecost. Would you just welcome this brother? 
Would you bring them in? And you know what scripture says? They allowed Paul to roam freely in the city of Jerusalem. And the church, listen to this, the church was strengthened. God will use people who once hated the gospel in the church of Jesus Christ to one day strengthen the very place and person that they hated. Oh, that's how great our God is. That's how great our God is. All right. So, uh, so who, let me ask you, who is God calling you to encourage? Who's God calling you to encourage? You know, earlier today, I told you that we were a record-breaking church, 24 babies. I was thinking about that this morning and praying over service, and I texted my pastor back in Dayton, Ohio. And I had said, hey, Stan, I just want to thank you so much. You, Today, we're dedicating 24 babies. And I said, uh, I want to thank you that in 2006, you dedicated our Ella. And I said, I just want to thank you for being a part of our family. And he said, man, enjoy, enjoy the moments. He's a different season in his ministry career. He's getting ready to kind of hang it up. He said, enjoy these moments. He said, uh, it's such a privilege to be a part of your family. And I hope that you can be a part of so many families there at Pathways. I was encouraging him and he what encouraged me. Wednesday, I got out of the parking lot and I saw that mom and she was loading up her groceries with her teenage daughter. And I just, I just felt like God was like, Go up, drive up to her and go encourage her. And you know what the coolest thing was for me? True story. This is honest as I can be. I did that not really thinking about what I was preaching. And that's so good for your pastor. You gotta understand. Because it's, I need to just be a follower of Jesus before I'm a leader for Jesus. You know what I mean? Like, I just need to live this out in my own life. And so I just felt like the Holy Spirit was like, go encourage her. I'm just like you. Oh, that's awkward, God. Like, I'm gonna roll up the window down. Then she's gonna be thinking, he's a creeper. Then his teenage mom is like, the teenager's like, what's that guy doing? Is he trying to hit on you? I like, I'm like, oh, dear God. No, I don't wanna do this. Right? Can I be honest? But I'm like, you know what? I don't care. I'm doing it. I've just committed my life. I'm going to be obedient and do what God asked me to do. He'll handle the outcomes. I'm just so committed to that. So I drove up and I put my window down and I just said, hey, my impression is um, you're doing the best that you can do. And I know you got a lot on you. You got that birthday party and you got kids and you're working. I get it. I just want to tell you that uh, Sunday is Mother's Day, so I wanna be the first one that says Happy Mother's Day to you. I just put up the window and I drove off. And I just felt like the Lord said, good boy, Adam, good boy, good boy, Adam.
That's God. That's not me. All I did was obedience to what he told me to do. He gave me the words to say. He filled my heart with that compassion and that care. And I believe he wants to do that in and through you. So who's he calling you to encourage? And here's the second question. How will you encourage this individual? How are you going to do that? How are you going to do that? With heads bowed and hearts reverent before the Lord, I want to lead you in a time of prayer. I don't know many of you, especially those who are watching online. You, you might be in the valley. You might be miles and states away. But I believe that God has put this word on my heart for you, and I believe that he wants to speak to you. And so let me ask you, who is he calling you to encourage? And how will you encourage this individual? What does that look like for you? Ask the Lord. Lord, how do you want me to encourage them? What do you want me to do? Is it a text? Is it an email? Is it a phone call? You got to stop by, make a trip, a visit. Heavenly Father, I just pray for our church family, for every single individual listening. God, I pray that you'd speak to them about the power of encouragement. Power of encouragement. Now, I know some of you came here today and you need encouragement. And I'm so glad you came here. Father, I pray for those who are in need, desperate need of encouragement, that you would, you would fill them and lift them up, God. Your love and your compassion and your care. We come with a lot of hurts and pains and bumps and bruises. And God, I pray that you would speak and that you would encourage them, Father. Do it by the power of your Holy Spirit. Shake away bitterness and resentment, the lies of the enemy. Got to ask you for that. Maybe you're here today and you need some encouragement because you don't know Jesus Christ. And your life is right now just it's empty, there's a void. Some things going on that you have no explanation for. You've worked so hard and yet there's something inside of you that's missing. You can't put your finger on it. You do your best to play and put a front on in front of people, but yet you know behind the mask, there's just, oh, a lot of hurt, pain. There's, there's really no freedom. There's no true joy. You've bought all the things. You've done all the right things, you've, but yet you're empty. You're empty. you're online today and you want to make that decision, would you reach out to a chat moderator? Would you turn to somebody maybe in your living room that you're watching with? Would you reach out to a friend? Would you text me? Would you, would you do whatever? Would you type in the chat, I'm, I'm giving my life to Jesus? And there's some of you in this room right now and, and you want to make that decision. You want to repent and confess your sin and you want to return. The Holy Spirit is the comforter. He is the one who's going to soothe your soul. Prayer partner had that word, I believe. It was just a word of prophecy. 
The Holy Spirit wants to soothe people here today. A soothing presence. God, soothe souls here today. If you're here today, you want to make a decision for Jesus Christ. Would you lift up your hand? Just do it right now. I want to acknowledge you. Yep, thank you. You can put it down. Yep, thank you. You can put it down. Thank you. Thank you. Two right there. Thank you. Anybody else? I might have missed your hand. Yes, thank you. I might have missed your hand. I can't see you online, but God sees your heart. He sees your heart. Can we pray out loud together as a church family, all of us in unison? Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me, for sending your son Jesus to die for me. I confess my sin. I repent. I turn to you. Now, will your Holy Spirit encourage me, lead me to follow you so that I can become like you. In Jesus' name. And everyone who agreed this prayer, shout it. Hey, can we celebrate those individuals today who made a decision for Jesus Christ? Let's celebrate that. That's good. That's good.